Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Code Blue, the podcast to guide junior doctors through their first years of training. My name is Mathilla. I'm a resident here at Blacktown Hospital. And joining me today, I've got my fellow resident and RMOA social director, Dr. Crittman. Hey, everyone. Uh, thanks, Miff, for that introduction. And just on behalf of the RMOA, we'd just like to welcome everyone to the podcast and like to welcome all the new interns to Blacktown Hospital. Yes, welcome. So, you might all be wondering what's this podcast all about? The transition from med student to intern and from resident to registrar are some of the biggest challenges of your medical career. Mm -hmm. And I think we can all agree that there are so many things that you're expected to know somehow that no one ever really teaches you. So the RMOA have started this podcast to try to bridge these gaps of knowledge with advice from doctors in our very own hospital. But we should put a disclaimer here. (laughs) Yep. All right. So the disclaimer is, guys, make sure that whatever we say, you don't take that as the Bible or the grail or as guidelines. Please do not be documenting in your notes. Oh, I read this on uh, the RMOA podcast. I heard this on the RMOA (laughs) podcast. No, this is all just friendly bits of advice. But if you ever need any formal advice, make sure you please check out CAP and check out the local guidelines mm-hmm. via ETG or up to date. Uh, this is all just anecdotal evidence, I guess, and we're just here to provide you with share some of our experiences and how we've dealt with situations. Mm-hmm. I agree. Friendly advice. Uh, yeah, don't be documenting that as per the RMOA podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Yeah, so you know, as Kritman touched on, we thought we'd share some tips and tricks that we've picked up along the way. So Kritman and I, we're both PGY2, meaning we've made it through our intern year and we are finally working as residents. So the topic for today's podcast is going to be, you know, what to do when you're on the ward round and how to document effectively, which is, um, I think, something that no one's actually really taught. Um, what do you reckon, Crittman? Yeah, agreed, because day one of the job, you kind of show up and you're just expected to document. And it's, it seems very straightforward. Mm-hmm. But when you're, when you're power rounding with your reg and you're trying to get everything down, it's actually a lot more difficult than it seems at times. I remember my day one notes compared to my notes at the end of the term mm-hmm. were very different than how I how I had the layout, how I had the documentation written. So I think it's quite important to cover this topic. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's, I think it's something that people don't emphasise enough. So we're just going to go through a couple of tips and tricks on how to go about the documentation process. And I also have a little bit of a segment on DVT prophylaxis at the end as well. You don't want to miss it. It's actually really good. Thank you, Griffin. <laughs> do you want to start off by telling us what the first thing is that we should do with documentation? Yeah, definitely. So pretend like you're already on the board. You're already there. You've had your breakfast. You're loading up for the day. And then you printed off your list. And now you're mm-hmm. on the board round. And what do you do? Now, the first thing I always do is make sure I jolt down the members present whether it be whoever is on the ward round, whether it be the medreg, the consultant, other medical students, interns, or even family members as well. Make sure mm-hmm. you document everyone who's there because this is a legal document after all, and it's quite important to have evidence of who is on the round. Furthermore, um, a lot of you may not know that, that a, lot of the v- a lot of the consultants at this hospital, rather, sorry, are actually VMOs. So the mm-hmm. way they get paid is if they if their name pops up in the documentation proving that they actually went to see the patient. So make sure you don't just write seen by consultant. Make sure you actually write the consultant's name because this is their bread and butter. And I can and imagine if, if they don't get paid for seeing the patient, like they'll be pretty upset. So please make sure There'll you be document. Trouble. <laughs> Big trouble. Uh, no, they're all pretty nice about it initially, but then um, just get into the habit of documenting who's there on the ward round. I totally agree. It's so easy to write 
you know, SB consultant plus team, but yes. make sure you write everyone's names is there. And uh, as you mentioned, if there's any family members present, so, you know, seeing Mrs. Smith, uh, son present or son in attendance, that's really important as well. Yeah. And of course, sometimes it's, it's impossible to get down like family members' names. So <laughs> that's okay to document son present or nephew present or whatever, whoever the a relative is, but make sure definitely for your bosses and for the medical team, you have down mm-hmm. their names, their surnames at least. Yep. I agree. I think the next thing that we'd say is probably going to make your intern life so much smoother. And I hope that most of you have this already, but just in case you don't, the tip is to make a template. Oh my God. Best tip oh, ever. Save so much time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you can basically make the template in whatever format that you use. There's a lot of styles of documentation that you might see. Um, but if you um, for example, maybe even ask your registrar or your consultants. Maybe they have, you know, a particular style that they like. I know I've got a few very p- particular consultants who like specific headings or specific things to write in their documentation. Mm-hmm. And I've just got a, you know, a particular template made for them. And when they round, I know that's exactly what they want. So if you're not sure, make sure you ask one of your colleagues, any other residents to show you how to make one because it'll make such a big difference when you can just, you know, pop in your template and you don't have to go manually writing all the headings. Now, guys, it saves so much time, trust me. Initially, when I started off with internship, I was writing every single subheading. And I'm like, why is this taking so long? Why can't I keep up with the ward round? It's because I didn't have a template in place. So when I made the template, it made life so much easier. Would highly recommend it. Miss, um, what type of template do you use? Like, what kind of subheadings do you use? Um, well, I've got, like I said, kind of different ones for different um, consultants. But mm-hmm. I just follow this basic you know, basic layout of um, team members present. I put whoever's there. Then I'll put a one-line summary yep. of, you know, why the patient's here. Very so important. we'll touch on that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then I usually put progress on review. So that's what I usually write is happening um, on the ward round, you know, examination, investigations, issues, impression, and then plan. What about you? What do you do? Uh, very similar kind of format to you, I think. Um, I just, again, yeah, members present. Make sure you guys have a one line or even two lines mm. about why the patient's there. Trust me, there's nothing so much more annoying than being on an after-hour shift and flicking through two weeks' worth of documentation because you have no <laughs> idea why the patient's here. there. Yeah. So it's as simple as just writing, 68-year-old John has come in with an end STEMI for medical therapy. Just something yeah. so it gives you a brief one line as to know, okay, this is the issue at hand, and it gives mm-hmm. you a kind of framework to work with. Um, but yeah, please have that there. Um, next step, I'd probably just be like on review or progress, uh, how the patient went and then I'll have on examination and then an issues list slash impression as well underneath that as to what we think is going on during that ward round. And then uh, obviously the plan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So very similar to me. So I've yeah. seen that style around quite often. So whatever style that you use or your team uses, make sure you pop that into a template and just touching on your one line summary, mm-hmm. um, as you mentioned, it is such a nightmare on after hours when you're flicking through notes trying to figure out why this patient's here. And I know that some patients would have been here for, you know, months. Maybe they've got a couple of issues. So some people actually put their one-line summary and then their issues list up the top as well. So just yep. depends on your style, but I think that's a really good way to do things as well. Yeah, I've seen that. That's really handy as well. Both, both ways work. There's mm. no right or wrong as long as the components are there, I guess. Yeah, just something is there. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> So shall we touch on what to write in that first section, Kripman? What do you usually write under your, you know, progress on review section? So I think I just cover anything that's kind of said during the ward round. So whether it be we're explaining John Smith, who's had a type 2 end STEMI, uh, we're consenting him for like a blood transfusion. So mm. we just, we document uh, what, what we're doing. So 
We got him to sign the consent form. We explained the risks, which were A, B, C, and D. Uh, make sure you document what risks were explained. Mm-hmm. And then you just uh, offer kind of document anything else that you say, whether it be like um, lifestyle advice. Maybe you told him to consider stop smoking or change up his diet, etc. cetera. And um, I think it's also important to document uh, what the patient feels as well. So whether it be how their appetite's going, how they're eating and drinking, if their bowels are opening or not, uh, all these kind of questions that are standard questions on a ward round, document all of that and make sure that whatever the patient says, sometimes it's really hard to document what the patient says in a politically correct manner. Sometimes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure you, whatever they say, you're trying to make it sound as nice as possible on your note, but sometimes that's impossible. So make sure you just use quotation marks for mm-hmm. that. Because trust me, people read your notes. The nursing staff handover, uh, handover document is based on your notes. Mm-hmm. After hours will read your notes. Consultants will read your notes. So make sure what you document is professional. And if it's imp- somewhat impossible to make it sound nice or like presentable on paper, <laughs> yeah, make sure you use quotation marks. That's a really good point. I completely agree. So I guess moral of the story is write whatever happens during the ward round. doesn't need to be a running commentary, but the pertinent findings and anything that you might not be able to write uh, appropriately, just pop in those quotation marks. Yeah. Uh, what would you do next, Mick? So after that bit, I would probably go on to writing um, the on exam or obs and exam section. Mm-hmm. So this is basically what you've been taught in med school. So start off with you know, just what you would do in a regular exam. So start off with writing about their general appearance. I think this is really important to write when you're on the ward round, even if it's as simple as, you know, sitting up, eating breakfast, looks well, looks comfortable. Um, That's really important because say your patient gets reviewed after hours, um, they can look back at your note and they can see, hang on, they look fine this morning. And now, you know, they're looking really unwell. So just talk about what they look like. And of course, tailor that to their presentation. So if you've got, you know, Mrs. Smith now with (laughs) infective exacerbation of COPD, um, just comment, you know, speaking in full sentences, you know, using accessory muscles, whatever the findings may be, just tailor it to your your patient for sure. So I'd comment on the appearance. Yep. Next thing, oh, do you have anything to add for that bit? No, no, uh, that was well put. And, guys, if the patient doesn't look well, don't document patient looks well. (laughs) It's very easy to fall into the trap because a lot of patients do look well. But, um, yeah, don't document that they look well if they don't look well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a, you know, theme throughout this episode as well. There's a saying, you know, um, if you don't document it, it didn't happen. But at the same time, you don't want to be documenting things that didn't happen. Happen. So make sure that you're taking very seriously. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So after commenting on the appearance, I think the next thing that I would do is comment on the obs. (laughs) So Trippin and I had a bit of an off-air discussion about what we do when it comes to the ops. Do you want to take it away? 100%. uh, A bit of context, guys. So there is a trick on PowerNote or um, dynamic documentation where you put a full stop capital V and a list of shortcuts pop pop up. Uh, If you press enter on the first one, it comes up with um, a shortcut of all the vital signs, the last recorded vital signs on the system. So that's quite handy if you just want to have them there on your notes so you don't have to manually write them out. Um, however, as me and Miss discussed, I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's very important to make sure that you actually look at the remainder of the vitals. You're not just relying on the dot capital mm-hmm. V method. You make sure you look at the trend. You make sure, say, for if John, John Smith has his heart rate has actually been um, uptrending overnight and 
maybe by the time you get to the morning, the heart, heart it's come down. But maybe you also you notice that his blood pressure is also rising around mm-hmm. that time, and he and he spikes a fever around that time as well. So it's important to look at the trend because you might miss these things if you just rely on the dot V method. Yeah, I think that's super important. So mm-hmm. basically, Rupert <laughs> and I were talking about um, what we're going to talk about. He said, you know, how good is dot V? And I said, you know. <laughs> Don't just write dot V, <laughs> but no, we're basically on the same page. Yep. And don't write dot V if it's the only thing you're going to write. It's very easy to say, you know, obstable afebrile, but it's really important to, as Crippman said, comment on what the obs have been because that kind of shows that you're evaluating your patient and you're kind of engaging with the case. I think it'll be a lot more interesting for you as well rather than just writing dot V and that way you can justify your plan. So, you know, you can say this, you know, Mrs. Smith with the infective exacerbation of COPD remains a febrile over the last 48 hours. Maybe we should step it down to orals. So I think it's really important. You can actually get a lot of information from the OBS. So don't just write dot V or obstable febrile, but definitely use dot V for a quick shortcut. Yep. Agreed. Well put. And, um, and then after that, obviously just document um, the rest of the examination findings, like, if the heart sounds are jeweled, um, make sure the chest is clear. Make sure if make sure when you're documenting all that sort of stuff, you actually listen to the chest. Or if the registrar is listening mm-hmm. to the chest, you ask them what they found. It's really easy to get into the habit of just writing chest clear, no crackles, and then the consultant comes around later and there's widespread crackles. Mm-hmm. Bit embarrassing, and it's also really help handy for after hours as well. If they had listened to the chest and there's crackles then, but there was none in the day which you documented, then it kind of gives them a good indication as to what's going on. Um, so make sure if you listen to it, you document it. If you didn't listen to it, don't document it. Agreed, definitely. It, that after-hours point is really, really important as yeah. well. So they, they always look at your notes because no one else is there. So they're relying on whatever you've written to yeah. make an assessment on whether this patient is at baseline or not. So yeah. definitely just clarify with your registrar what any of the findings are before you go and document it. Yeah, treat after-hours how you like to be treated on after-hours mm-hmm. as well. Sometimes it's so easy to point everything off to after-hours. But yeah. remember, guys, you everyone will be doing after-hours time at some point. Um, so make sure you kind of treat the after-hours people how you would like to be treated on after-hours. Don't just let make them sort everything out. Um, and make sure you have some clear documentation um, as to what is going on with the patient and a good proper plan in situ in case something does happen um, overnight. If the patient is kind of like unstable and you're leaving you're leaving for home make sure you have a kind of crisis plan put in place for after hours so they know what to do yeah and of course you don't need to make this decision by yourself as well discuss with your registrar um at the end of the day before we all go home i think it's really good practice to quickly say hey can we pay for round is there anything you want me to hand over to after hours and that way you can kind of cover that cover that and cover anything that needs to be flagged yep um yeah what would you do next miss so we have talked about the OBS, we've talked about the exam. Um, I think next I'd um, pop in the investigations. Yep. So just like med school, I use a system of bedside bloods and then imaging. So this is when you, you know, go through the OBS, go through the bloods, go through the imaging, and of course only document the relevant findings. You don't need to document every single blood test that has come back today. <laughs> but, you know, that infective exacerbation of COPD, um, you know, is the white cell count or CRP improving? Document that. Yep. Does your patient with a kidney injury have a worsening creatinine? Yep. Document that. So whatever's relevant, just pop that there, I reckon. Yep, and just comment on the trend as well. See how you can doc- yeah. document if it's uptrending, downtrending, or you can document like the previous result next to it with arrow signs, whatever you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, just it's important to always follow the trend and check the trend. I agree. Hmm, I think next up, this is your time to shine, Christian. Yes. Yes. <laughs> do you want to tell us about what you would do next for your documentation? 100%. 
All right, guys. So this is how I realized I wanted to do BPT, um, basic physician training. It's when I realized I really enjoyed making issues lists. Now, by no stretch of imagination or by no means are my issues lists really good. They're probably the worst issues list ever, but they, they're there and I really enjoy making them and no one can take that away from me. So I re- they're not that bad. Give yourself some credit. Your issues lists are great. <laughs> but no, I really enjoy making issues lists. What is an issues list, you ask? That is a very good question because I can obviously hear you guys through the podcast thing. <laughs> no, so my issues list is literally a summary of anything that's happened to the patient throughout the course of the admission in hospital. Normally, it starts off with what brought the patient into hospital and the, un- and the underlying problems that you discover throughout the course of your admission and how you tackle it. And it's all done under subheadings. I'm sure a lot of you would have seen issues lists by now. Um, for example, like say for Mr. Smith has come in with the NSTEMI, right? So the number one issue would be the NSTEMI and then you loaded them on aspirin and clopidogrel can fall under that heading and they've got a coronary angiogram 48 hours later, they've got a stent. That's all under the NSTEMI section. And then you realize to also throughout the course of their admission, they might've had an episode of hyperkalemia and how you manage that, you can document under that. And then you also realize, oh, wow, they're also diabetic and poorly controlled. And then you can document what you did to treat that. And over time, you kind of realize you have a succinct kind of list and subheadings underneath that as to the issues and how you've managed them. And it seems very straightforward. However, it is such a lifesaver and it's so handy, especially when you're looking at the discharge process, when you're thinking about discharging the patient, you can literally copy and paste your issues list in the progress and hospital section. And it's just a summary of everything that's happened in a nice, clean, succinct way. Furthermore, sometimes um, you're finishing up on a term and that doesn't mean the patient is also going to be discharged the same time you finish your term. There's obviously going to be some sort of crossover. And it's just a really good handover documentation or a tool to give to the next uh, JMOs coming on the term or also for the weekend staff who are working on the weekend because remember, and after hours for that matter as well, because mm-hmm. you've got to remember cover on after hours and weekend is not the greatest. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a really handy, succinct kind of tool to have to make sure you capture everything that's going on with the patient. And, well done. And, and, I think that is a great summary thank of the issues list. <laughs> I just had a few points to add. Yeah, go for um, it. Yeah, as you mentioned, issues lists are great, especially when you're on a term where patients have heaps of issues like Jerry's, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is in terms of your discharge summaries, uh, you might not know this, but the number of issues that you've got down actually correlates with the amount of funding the hospital gets. So it's really important, number one, to be writing, you know, an accurate reflection of what's being done in hospital. Yeah. But number two, if we can do anything to help the hospital, you know, provide the best care that we can to our patients, I think we should be taking the time to make sure that we've got all the issues down in the issues list. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think that's about it for the issues list. Uh, yeah, that uh, seems, I think we've got that pretty covered. Um, next section, I think, is your home run myth, uh, your favorite <laughs> your favorite topic. Take it away. So the next section of your documentation will be your plan. Um, and as, you know, Kripman's mentioned, the plan, when you've got a, you know, fantastic issues list, your plan can actually be tailored to your issues list. Mm-hmm. So you can write what you're doing for the non-STEMI. You can write what you're doing for the poorly controlled diabetes. So that's what you'll do for your plan. But I'd really just want to quickly touch on DVT prophylaxis. I think this should be part of everyone's plan. And I think that JMO should be the ones who are keeping an eye out for it um, when you're on the ward round. So DVT prophylaxis, you know that thing, that box that you see when you log into EMR that pops up that everyone kind of clicks away? Yeah. 
that's actually the VTE risk assessment tool. Now, I know that's, you know, a little bit bulky, a little bit time consuming to go through. So what I do is I just put DVT prophylaxis under my plan as part of my template. Mm -hmm. So that prompts me every day to actually look at, at DVT prophylaxis. Now, crash course on what it is and how you should go about it. Yep. Basically, hospitals are a breeding ground for DVTs. When you think about it, patients are uh, living in this artificial environment. They're immobile. Maybe they've just had surgery. There's so many factors that cause them to be at high risk of getting DVTs. So basically, anyone that's in hospital for greater than a day should be on DVT prophylaxis. The first thing you can do is you can do mechanical or chemical DVT prophylaxis. Mechanical DVT prophylaxis is done in the form of TED stockings. So this is kind of a quick and easy way to do it. Um, it's a little bit difficult to find on the board sometimes, but that's the first thing that you should look for, mechanical DVT prophylaxis. Second thing you should think about is chemical DVT prophylaxis, and this is probably what you see the most often. The standard dose you'll probably see is Clexane 40, so that's usually what we do for our patients. Mm -hmm. However, there's a few things that you need to consider. Number one, are they on any anticoagulation already? Maybe, you know, uh, Mrs. Smith is on a Pixaban for a PE or is on Warfarin for AF. If that's the case, then you don't need to worry about DVT prophylaxis. Mm -hmm. The next thing is whether or not they've got any other contraindications. For example, do they have renal impairment? So for a creatinine clearance of less than 30, which you can calculate using, you know, CAP using the AMH website, um, it's recommended to reduce the Clexane dose to half. So that's Clexane 20 mm -hmm. or using heparin 5000 BD. If you're unsure of this, just run it by a med reg and say, hey, you know, I want to chart DVT prophylaxis for this patient, but this is their renal function and they can guide you appropriately. So renal function. And the third thing is to make sure that they don't have anything else that might be, you know, uh, contraindication for DVT prophylaxis. So make sure they're not bleeding, number one. Make sure they're not, you know, planned for any surgery because in that case you wouldn't want their blood to be too thin. Uh, make sure their INR isn't up, they're not coagulopathic for any reason or they're not thrombocytopenic for any reason. So that's basically my summary. Try to make it as part of your template. DVT prophylaxis is often withheld in hospital for a number of reasons. So you want to make sure that you're checking it every day to make sure that, you know, you're not accidentally withholding the warfarin or withholding the clexane for days on end. So basically mechanical, if you can, chemical, make sure you look at if they're on anything already, make sure that they don't have any contraindications and make sure you check their renal function. That's my summary. I don't know if you guys can hear that or not, but I am clapping. That was a brilliant myth. Thank you so much. Uh, that was probably done better than anything in med school. So thank you. That was really good. Thanks, Critman. Thanks for having me. No worries. I hope that was helpful. Really helpful. I'm sure everyone else will appreciate it as well. Um, yeah. Well, I guess on that note, we just move on to the next section as to what to do. And that's just looking at the medications. Uh, make sure you guys just look at the med review the medications during the ward round. See if there's anything that can be stopped or stepped down or ceased. Uh, make sure you say for IV antibiotics, if an afebrile for 48 hours, two negative cultures, consider stepping down to oral antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes like, like we were discussing off air as well, myths like sometimes uh, analgesia can also be stepped mm -hmm. down or ceased. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really important to look at the medications for. Yeah, in terms of analgesia, look at how much they're on, look at what the patient's telling you, see how many PRNs they've used in the last 48 hours and then make a judgment mm -hmm. accordingly. That's really useful because patients sometimes are discharged, you know, on high doses of opioids and we've got to have a plan to try to cut that down. Yeah. Um, I think that's the board round done. 
I think so. I think we've documented effectively yep. and started everyone on DVT prophylaxis. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> so what should we do after our ward round? Most importantly, guys, make sure you guys get a cup of coffee, eat something, grab a bite to eat. Very important. And then after that, it's pretty straightforward. Make sure you just go through your jobs, you tick them off, get them done. If you can't do them, make sure you've documented them down so you'll do them tomorrow morning. Sometimes jobs aren't extremely urgent. You can leave them until the next day. And hopefully you guys get to go home on time. Hopefully. We're always crossing our fingers to try to go home on time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think, I think we've nailed everything in terms of what to do during the water round and documentation. Do you have anything else to add, Miss? That's basically it. I think all I'd say is that if there's anything that you're unsure about or you've got a question, um, feel free to pop it in the group chat. Yeah. Um, I know certain terms have group chats for their JMOs. If not, we've actually got a WhatsApp chat. So if you need help with a cannula or you're not sure how to do a job, just ask in there and there'll be somebody that can, you know, give you some advice. Yep. Everyone's super friendly on there, non-judgmental. Make sure you ask for help. Very important. I agree. Everybody's super friendly. So don't hesitate. Everyone's been in your position before. Yeah, and speaking of super friendly, I like to think the team at RMOA is also super friendly. Yes, and, <laughs> RMOA is here as well. <laughs> and we're always, always happy to help you guys. If you guys have any questions at all, feel free to shoot us a message. You can send it on WhatsApp, Microsoft Teams, Facebook, Instagram page, cheeky plug, please follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, we're more than happy to help everyone out. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be medical related. It can be just some advice or where to find things anything really like we're more than happy to help yeah if you have any issues that you'd like to escalate we're here as well yeah definitely um should we wrap it up i I think so thank you so much for joining us for our first episode of code blue stay tuned we have so many ideas and so many of our team have been working on different episodes to get out to you so hopefully that'll be out shortly yeah make sure you guys just follow it uh follow the podcast on wherever you guys listen to it it should be available on spotify apple podcast any other kind of podcast streaming services and um yeah we've got some really good content coming up we hope you like this one and we're super excited to have the whole series going all right we'll see you in our next episode see you later thanks guys